Well, good morning. Great to have you this morning in uh, our parenting class. And uh, if you did not yet fill out the survey, do it that this afternoon. Just bring it back uh, tonight. Uh, I won't be doing anything with it this afternoon. Over the course of the next, you know, uh, week or so, I will compile all the uh, answers and uh, and stuff. And as those subjects come up in, in our class, we'll uh, talk about what you had turned in. So please just take the time to fill those out. And uh, everybody got one of these little squares? Good. Thank you, Max, for taking care of that. And uh, I think now everybody in here has gotten a copy of the book we're giving away. We're not teaching the book. We're teaching the Bible. But it's one of the, uh, uh, I think, good books and a, and a good author uh, on this subject. We've got maybe three of his books uh, in, in our bookstore. Uh, he's uh, actually a psychologist. And uh, most psychologists are secular psychologists. Their worldview is different from a biblical worldview, and so pretty much anything they teach is suspect because the foundation has different assumptions than a biblical worldview. Uh, but John Roseman actually is one of the unusual people who is trained in that particular field and, does, and has a biblical worldview, and, um, which to me makes uh, his... Uh, stuff very unique and, and, and worth taking uh, some time uh, for. And um, in fact, if your children are older and you're thinking about, uh, you know, putting them on meds or uh, them being diagnosed with ADHD and all those uh, kinds of things, I'm not pretending like those things don't ever exist. Um, but uh, I don't believe they exist to the degree they're diagnosed. And uh, there's a book in there. Uh, about that, and I would strongly recommend to any parent uh, who's considering doing that, uh, you know, I think it's called The Diseasing of America's Children. I, I would strongly recommend reading that. Uh, about the first two-thirds of the book is a little tougher to read because it's got a lot of medical stuff in it, but it's worth just toughing through and getting whatever uh, ideas you can out of it. Uh, I'm sure... Uh, Next week we'll have a, a lot of questions as I get uh, the surveys and uh, you should have or should later get one of those little paper squares. Just ask at the end of class. Uh, you turn those uh, in, write something on it uh, so that everybody turns one in. Just pile them up right here and I'll pick them up after church. Um, and as we're going through class, if you have some question, or just write it down. Then it can be answered with anonymity. And uh, when we get to those subjects, in, in many cases, your questions aren't specifically about today, and we'll get to it uh, later, but we'll, we'll cover those all uh, in our class, and so I would encourage you to do that. You say, Brother Wallace, if I don't have a question, what should I do? Uh, scribble on it. Just say, uh, I hate your tie. I can see your lunch from two weeks ago in the front of it. Whatever, you know, uh, just put something uh, on there. I always get a kick out of uh, different things people uh, write uh, on there. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6. We do, uh, as I mentioned last week, we do record these and we post them uh, on our website and on our podcast. And uh, we don't do that so that you can not come in person because I think it's always inferior to listen online to being there in person. 
but there are times when people just can't be here or sometimes there are people who just won't come for one reason or another and uh, any help we can be to parents uh, anywhere uh, I want to be. We, we have literally over the years had hundreds and hundreds of people uh, listen to these and uh, I, I believe the average parent is a sincere parent and whether it's saved or lost, I, I think every parent, there's something inside you, you want to do right by your kids. And, um, and that's a great desire. It's from God. And so uh, this is a great tool uh, to recommend to your friends, too. Uh, each week when we start class, uh, we'll start off with uh, some questions uh, that are uh, related to something uh, we've covered uh, in the past. Obviously, this week, uh, we don't have uh, too many of those. I just have uh, one. Uh, sometimes these questions are things that are turned in this time. Other times they're just really applicable questions that someone in the past has turned in. Uh, what I want is I, I want all these Bible principles. I want us to put some skin on them and so that we can uh, put these things uh, in our life. Uh, question, the, we only have one question today. Uh, we think we should parent one way. And my in-laws think we should do it differently. What should we do? And the beginning of the answer to that question is you have to ask yourself another question. Uh, it depends on whether your in-laws are attempting to get you to parent in a more biblical way or not. You know, if your in-laws are trying to get you to uh, parent in a more biblical way, then what I'd recommend is that you humble yourself and follow the biblical method of parenting and uh, discount the messenger. It Do doesn't matter whether the messenger is a donkey or Isaiah. Uh, if the message is from God, uh, we need to hear it. Uh, on the other hand, if what they're trying to get you to do is contrary to the scriptures, then what you need to do is whoever's family that in-law is, they need to handle their own family, and they need to tell them to chill out. Uh, it's a hard thing sometimes. You know, uh, a lot of parents uh, struggle with uh, not parenting adult children like they're still children. All right? And, and someday, if Christ tarries, you will get how difficult that transition is. But in the end, you're responsible. Like we learned last week, you're responsible to God for your children. And uh, if you're going to just proudly not take any advice from anybody, anybody you know, you're going to do a lot of stupid things. Uh, and on the other hand, if someone else is parenting your children instead of you and they're not parenting them with a biblical philosophy, you're going to be responsible for them hurting your children. And please don't do that. My advice is follow the Lord. Follow his advice. And uh, when you get married, the most important earthly relationship you have is your spouse and you. Uh, after your spouse and you, once you're married, the most important relationship you have is you and your children. And you and your parents, that's a lifetime relationship, but that relationship falls behind uh, the, other do, uh, the other two. Someday, you'll be glad you, you followed biblical advice whenever you get it. Remember, it takes more than good intentions uh, to train our children well in the day and age in which we live. Uh, each week, uh, like I mentioned last week, we'll just have some interesting but not always serious quotes. Each week also, I, I want to just give you a couple of just general thoughts on, on parenting. Uh, and I got a couple for you this week. 
uh, here, here's the first one. When there's a battle of wills between you and your child, always win that battle. When there is a battle of wills between your will and your child's will, you must always win that battle. Trust me, if you don't win that battle at 3, you will never win it at 10. And if you do not win that at 10, you will never, lose, you will never win it at 15. When there is a battle of wills between you and your child, always win that battle. Here's a second thought to ponder. Be careful that you only break the will of your child and never their spirit. Those are two different things. All right. Uh, overdone discipline and overdone parenting breaks the spirit of your child. Uh, underdone parenting and underdone discipline doesn't break their will. All right. Make sure you only break the will of your child and never their spirit. We today are just on week two of uh, 14 or 15 weeks together on the, on the subject of parenting. Uh, like I said last week, I don't pretend to have all the answers. Uh, I don't pretend to have been a, a perfect parent. I don't pretend that we had or have perfect children. That's not uh, why I'm standing here. I'm standing here teaching biblical principles. I'm standing here as somebody, I'm a people watcher. Uh, I believe uh, with people and, and life, it, it's a recipe you know, for instance, if you want to make brownies and you say, I want to make brownies, but I'm not going to use chocolate this time, what you're going to get on the end is not brownies. All right, that's part of the recipe. I, I believe there's a recipe for everything in life. And don't expect God's product with your recipe. All right, and so that's all we're talking about is this recipe. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're passionate about parenting your children. It's a wonderful passion to have. Last week, we just laid the foundation for all of our parenting. Remember, God is a creator. Uh, he makes all the rules. Remember, secondly, that because God uh, cannot be seen with our eyes today, nor audibly heard with our ears today, God delegated some of his authority to a place we can see in here. He put his authority in his word. All right, and then in God's word, God delegated some of his authority to parents over their own children. God told us that ch children are a blessing and that they are arrows that a parent points towards a target. And parenting is so important that God uses the parent-child relationship as a picture of his relationship with his greatest creation. Remember, he is our heavenly father. That is a parent-child image. That is such an important thing to think of. And the foundational issue, as I kept bringing up last week, because I want to steer and shape your thinking, is does God really know more about what will make my child be fulfilled and live a good life and have a good eternity? Does God know more than I do about that? That is a foundational issue. And if you're going to come to the conclusion that you know more about what it takes to have your child's life be meaningful, both in life and in eternity, you will never parent your children well. Because God not only knows about eternity, he designed us and he knows about life. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, learn what the scriptures teach about parenting your children. Uh, trust the Lord. Give it your best shot to follow those things. And you will be a good parent. I didn't say a perfect parent. Nobody does these things perfectly. 
You will be a good parent if you follow these philosophies and things. Um, We closed last week with a question. Uh, Since God has given parents authority over their own children, what is the first thing that we should teach them? Now, when you think about that question, and I hope you thought about it a little bit, there's a lot of things that our culture would say, and even some Christians say, should be the first thing we teach our children. Some would say, teach them to be themselves. Others would say, teach them to love. Some would say, teach them to accept others as they are instead of judging others. Some would say, teach them to be true to their heart. Those are all the kind of messages that our children hear on a regular basis, and we hear as parents. Um, And I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but the question is, what is the most important thing? By the way, because those things are the most important thing in our culture that most parents teach their children, understand you and I are living in a messed up culture. Because those things, as the prominent foundation in the life and future of a child, they don't produce our goal. Remember, our goal is not a good four-year-old, though we like a good four-year-old. Our goal is not a good ten-year-old, though we like to have a good ten-year-old. Our goal as parents is to produce an independent, functional adult who follows their faith with good character. That, that is our goal as parents. And, um, and that's what we're talking about. And unfortunately, the thing the scriptures teach to be the most important is secondary, not just in our culture, but in the homes of many Christian people. You should be in your Bible in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, go ahead and get there. I'll give you another second to, to get there because I know a couple of you came after we, uh, I said that. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy, of course, is... Moses' three final sermons to the Israelite people after he had led them in the wilderness for 40 years. They were on the precipice of going into the promised land. These are the final words of perhaps the greatest leader in history to the people he dearly loved and had given four decades of his life to help. Notice what he says to them in Deuteronomy chapter 6. By the way, the title of our thought this morning is the first thing to teach our children. The first thing to teach our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily. And as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And we'll stop there this morning. But we notice as we begin this section of Scripture in verse 1, God intended the Israelites to do the things he commanded. He said, With the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whithersoever. Uh, God wasn't just saying things to say them. He expected what he said to be done, to be obeyed. Then God made some promises associated with obeying his commandments. Uh, By the way, one of the greatest foundational things you'll get in your mind is this simple thing. God's commandments are for our good. Listen, there is not one of you as a parent that makes up rules to hurt your children. No parent sits there and says, I wonder what I can do to take the fun away from my child today. That, no parent does that. Everything you set down for your child, you set down in one way or another for the good of your children. And God's commandments, and he's a better parent than we are, are no different from that. So he makes some promises associated with them. Notice the first one at the end of verse 2. It says that all the days of life and that thy days may be prolonged. Uh, Obedience to his commands prolongs the life of his people. Notice the promise in in verse 3. He says that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest increase mightily. Uh, Listen, there's not a person here who doesn't want your children to live longer. Now, you may disagree with this of sorts. This is an opinion. I believe when God allows a life uh, because only God can give life, uh, there's a maximum amount of time that life is going to exist. Now, that maximum might be two months. That maximum might be 10 years. That maximum might be 30. That maximum might be 95. But based on what we choose to do with our life and how we obey our Creator and how we handle ourselves, all we can shorten that. And nobody, no parent here wants that. Uh, obedience lengthens the life of your child, and it makes their life better. Uh, God has gifted some people and called them in the church to teach children some things. But first and foremost, that responsibility falls on you as a parent. Notice as he begins in verse 6, he says, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Uh, Teaching our children the things of God is not something we're supposed to do casually or take lightly. We are supposed to diligently do that. Notice when we're supposed to do this in the last half of that verse. He says, uh, thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Uh, If you wanted to summarize that, it would be this. Parents teach their children constantly. Sometimes if we're not careful, we will find them teaching them that the things of God don't matter much, except Sunday. If we're not careful, we'll teach them that appearance is more important than character. Or money and success are more important than relationships. We have to be so very careful because we are teaching them every day, all day long with how we live. 
In fact, we're told here that our children should see the importance of God's word as we live in verses 8 and 9. It says, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Have you ever seen in the news one of those ultra-Orthodox uh, Jewish uh, people? They've got the black hat. They've got the curly hair that comes down here. That's from the Old Testament where it says, don't mar the corners of your beard. One of the other things you'll see them with, they'll have a little tube on their forehead. Or you will see that they will have a, a little uh, tube with uh, some leather binders on their hand. And that's from them taking this literally. The Bible calls that a phylactery. And they have four scriptures in that. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, these early verses are one of the things that are in that phylactery. You may remember Jesus rebuking the Pharisees for, quote, making broad their phylacteries. But the bottom line is this, is that our children see, and they should see, the importance of God's word in our life. The good news is, is that God gave us, as I mentioned last week, our children for many years. I don't know of another mammal whose young begin as helpless and stay helpless as long as human children. There is not another mammal who has anywhere near as few of instincts as a human child has. And God did that on purpose because he gave them to us to instruct, to teach. And first and foremost, to teach them the things of God. Now, our children do have a fallen nature, but they have very few instincts. You and I, as parents, need to teach them to do what they would not naturally do without us teaching them. By the way, a great job being here this morning. Because we cannot teach something we do not know. And so understand that all instruction, uh, no matter what the issue of life is, whether it's in our workplace or in the things of God or how to do life, uh, it all begins with someone who knows what to do, who passes it on. And I give you a lot of credit for being here this morning. Uh, great job. Uh, how many of you here have ever seen the cartoon King of the Hill? Uh, I, I know the cartooning is really poor on it, uh, but I really, uh, when our boys were home, I used to love to watch it with them. And, and on that show, there's a guy on there, his name is Lucky. And if you've never seen the cartoon Lucky, if I was going to describe him, he's always, uh, you know, dressed in jeans and in a t-shirt, and he's got long hair, and his, his teeth are, are bad, and he doesn't have a job. Super nice guy. Uh, no motivation uh, whatsoever in life. He makes his living suing companies for accidents he had on their property. That, that's how Lucky makes his living. Well, uh, Lucky ends up, uh, his, gets his wife pregnant, and he comes to Hank, who's like at first you would think is just this uh, ding-dong, but he's really the stable, wise character in, in the show. And he comes to Hank, and he says, I don't know what to do. He said, my dad told me the only thing I ought to have is a wallet, cash in the wallet, and a lucky poker chip. And so not surprisingly, Lucky didn't have a driver's license. He didn't have a Social Security card. He didn't have an insurance card. He didn't know anything about how to do life. But I will give him credit for this. He was someone who said, do you know what? 
the way I was handled is not a good way to be handled. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to someone who does know how to handle things, and I'm going to learn from them so that I can teach my child something that I was not given. And that's what we're doing in here. Some of you were raised in ways where you would say, do you know what, pretty much everything about the way I was raised I would like to pass on. Others of you are on the other end of the spectrum where you'd say, do you know what, almost nothing about the way I was raised is something I want my children to have. So no matter where you are in this spectrum, I'm just saying to you, great job trying to figure out what I need to teach my children because we are constantly teaching them. Now, before we talk about what this foundational thing is, I think we need to first just take a moment and be honest about how we teach them. If you take notes, write this down. We teach our children mostly and most often by our example. We teach our children mostly and most often by our example. No amount of our words can outweigh what we do. You've heard me say this lots and lots of times. My, I, I collect phrases. I have hundreds of them. I post one every Monday on my Facebook and on my Twitter account. We put them on our sign. Uh, I, I, I've been doing this for decades. My favorite uh, saying of all of them is this simple thing. What you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. That, that's my favorite thing of all of them. And it's some of the best parenting advice any of us would really get. As I said earlier, the best way to summarize Deuteronomy 6-7 is that we're teaching by our example. Listen, only our spouse and our children see us at those times. Uh, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. <laughs> First and foremost, we are teaching by our example. If you write statements down, write this one down. Our example is most powerful and loudest when we're in some kind of adversity or difficulty. We don't most teach our children when all is well on vacation. We most teach our children when something bad happens. When something's going tough for us. When we're weary. When we're angry. When someone mistreats us. When they watch us make a choice, that's when we teach most. Listen, if we're not careful, we will teach our children that Christianity is good until trouble comes, and then you pitch it aside. You'll teach them that you don't use profanity unless you're angry. You'll teach them that you're honest unless the cashier gives you too much change. You'll teach them that you listen to your pastor until he says something you don't agree with. You'll teach them to listen to the policeman unless they pull you over. You'll teach them, teach them to treat people with respect unless you're having a bad day or they mistreat you first. You'll teach them that you're committed to church unless something else important has happened or maybe you didn't sleep as well as you wish you said. Listen, you and I, by our example, when things are difficult, we are actually most teaching our children. Not only do we teach our children most often and mostly by our example, we also teach our children in occasional moments when they're open to listening and learning from us. 
Now, for those of you who are prospective parents, or those of you who are whose children are really young, you don't get it yet. But when your children get older, one of the things you're going to recognize is they're not open to being instructed all the time. And if you have older children, uh, by, by that I, I mean older than maybe five, you, you are going to recognize, you know, your children aren't always open to being instructed. And so on those occasional moments, you have to recognize them and teach them. Uh, by the way, times when they have adversity and difficulty are the times when they're most open to learning. I want you to let that sink in because some of you moms here, your mommy goal is to keep all adversity out of the life of your child. And what you do when that's your mommy goal is you say, in effect, I don't want my children to learn much. I get the mommy goal thing, you want to protect your child, that that is a, a good thing God put in a mom. But you, you know what, you need to balance that to understand, you know what, <laughs> most of the times when my child is open to instruction is when they're going through something. Maybe you need to just decide it's not a good goal as a parent to keep your child from all adversity. We teach them inadvertently, day by day. Anybody hear the phrase, chip off the old block? Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. See, see what that is, a, is, a, is a, just a, another way of saying, you know what? Uh, what you did as a parent rubbed off on them. They, they watched you day by day, and you became like them to some degree. We teach them by repetition of key things. By the way, repetition is a great teaching tool. Uh, we'll talk about that more in this morning's uh, message. Uh, here's the, the last thing for how we teach them. We teach them on purpose. Uh, that's what verse 9 says. He says, write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. That, that's teaching them on purpose. Now, you may disagree with this, but uh, my wife and my parenting philosophy was that, you know, if we have our children in Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and children's church and Wednesday night, uh, our feeling was that they don't need 30 or 40 minutes of daily instruction from us. That what we felt like what they needed at that point was some instruction from us, but mostly to see us live what they heard all the time. Now, if you want to, uh, on uh, Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, if you want to have a 40-minute Bible study with them and there are three, go ahead. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just saying I didn't find that to be necessary. I, I think if you've ever been around the truth of God very much, one of the things you'll learn is that we have a lot more problems following the truth than we do learning what it is. Let me ask you, do you have any on-purpose time? Now, in, in our house, when our children were younger, uh, I would go up and I would tuck them in every night and I would uh, teach them something every night. I would tell uh, some Bible story and, and kind of make it alive and animated. I remember teaching uh, them the story of the, uh, 
the angel opening the gates for uh, Peter and when he was in jail and I had a fish line attached to the door, which is really unimpressive at 10. But when you're four, you're like, ooh. I would just have prayer with him. We'd have a brief lesson. I'd hug him, kiss him, tell him I love him. And I'd leave. Do you have any on purpose time? When our children were older, um, we made them get up 15 minutes early, uh, earlier than they needed to before school, and we would read the Bible at the table. You say, how much did you read? We would go around the table and we'd read uh, three verses each. We'd go around and read one, go around and read one, go around and read one. You say, that doesn't sound like very much. Well, they were in church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, children's church, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, they needed to have their mother and I, uh, see their mother and I living what they were hearing. Now, if, if, again, if you want to make them read five chapters in Isaiah every morning for your family devotion, I'm not telling you not to do that. Uh, I'm trying to get you to be balanced people who understand what really matters. And what really matters is how they watch us live what they hear us say. Now... <laughs> If we understand uh, how we're supposed to teach, that brings up the great question that was the foundation of our thought for today. What is the first and most important thing I teach him? <laughs> what is my focus? I, I get that there's some kind of debate over how to teach them, but uh, there's no debate on what. Turn up just a few pages to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Unfortunately, when I tell you what I believe to be the most important thing we teach our children, it was probably on very few of your minds first. The most important thing, and I believe the foundational truth that will help our child in every area of life, is this. Obey rightful authority. Obey rightful authority. Authority. Obey rightful authority. Before we study this, understand this. If you fail to teach this foundational thing, your child will be a failure in every area of their life. I, I, I want you to let that sink in. They can be real true to themselves and true to their heart. But if they cannot do this foundational thing, they will fail in every area of their life. Notice in Deuteronomy chapter 11 what it says in verse 26. Um, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. Did you notice that twofold prong? Obey God, and what do you bring into your life? God's blessings. Disobey God, and what do you bring into your life? God's curse. Listen, uh, there are people who do not know God who basically do what God has asked uh, in their life, even though they're not doing it for God, and their life will be fine. Now, they will die and go to hell, 
But the principles that God teaches for life, they work whether you know God or not. And there are believers, true believers in Jesus, who refuse to obey what he says about life. And yes, they will die and go to heaven someday because Christ is the Savior and he is the answer to eternal life. And his blood is the only thing that washes away our sins. But understand, uh, if you live your life in a manner that is disobedient to the way God says live your life, your child or you will live a cursed life. I don't think I'm alone when I say, you know what, I wanted our children to have their health blessed by God. I wanted to have their education blessed by God. I wanted their character blessed by God. I wanted their employment blessed by God. I wanted their relationships blessed by God. I wanted all that. I did not want, I wanted as little of, as God's curse in their life as possible. And I know you want that too. Teach them to obey God. Uh, let me ask you, what is the real priority of obedience in your house? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I, I get it. In our culture, obey is a dirty four-letter word. I, I get it. It grates against my flesh. It grates against your flesh. Uh, one of the aspects of fallen human nature is we are all rebels in our heart. I know I'm not the only person here whose first inclination when someone tells me to do something is, I don't want to. Now, I know we all have this to different degrees, but it, listen, it runs real deep in me. When you, when you try to jam something down my throat, uh, like especially when I was an unsaved kid. By the way, I can describe in great detail how to be an unsaved bad kid from personal experience. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, what's the next word there? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long in the earth. Again, every one of us want our parents, our children to live longer. You better teach them to obey you, to honor you. Listen, you dishonor your parents, you're shortening your life. By the way, when a child obeys their parents... They are obeying God because God is the one who said, children, obey your parents. Government didn't say that. Their teachers at school are not going to say that. God said that. How much effort do you make to make your children obey you as a parent? Now, I, I get for some children that's not a, a big stretch. If you have a kid like me, my wife is a gentle soul. If her parents just raised their voice, she'd be weeping in the corner and following their leadership. Me, you had to hit me three or four times before I even looked your way. Do you make them obey you? If you don't, you're hurting them. Turn up to Hebrews chapter 13. Are, are you picking up on the key repetitive word in these areas of life? Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17. It says, obey them that have the rule over you. 
Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Teach them to obey their spiritual leaders. Every spiritual leader has a responsibility to them. Uh, I'm supposed to watch for your souls. Titus chapter 3, turn back a few pages. Teach them to obey God. Teach them to obey you as a parent. Teach them to obey spiritual authorities. So, Brother Wally, what if their spiritual authorities are bad? Uh, We'll talk about that next week. But let me ask you a question. Why would you just have them in places where spiritual authorities are bad? Listen, spiritual authorities everywhere are human. Spiritual authorities everywhere are flawed. As are you as a parent. But yet God said, children, obey your parents. Titus chapter 3 verse 1 says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. I'll teach them to obey proper authorities in government. I mean, you hear nowadays a lot, and I don't mean this racially sensitive. Uh, you hear, well, that black families teach their children that they ought to be submissive towards police officers. Listen, that's a stupid statement. That's the same thing I taught my children. You do everything he says. You just keep your hands up. That guy's just trying to go home from work. You just do everything he says. By the way, I've had my children handcuffed and put in the back of the, the police car. Shane, were you with him when that happened? No? Oh, you were in there already? No. I've had the, I've had the police show up at my door. I, I, listen, I, I, you're not talking to someone who, who, who's just lived his life in a bubble. Colossians chapter 2, and I will have a summary statement and we'll be done. Colossians chapter 3, teach them to obey God. Teach them to, to obey you as their parents. Teach them to obey spiritual authority. Teach them to obey proper authorities in government. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 it says, servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Do you notice? Servants, obey your master. Listen, teach them to obey their boss. I want you to hear me in this. If you failed to teach your children to obey rightful authority, understand that they will not be able to have a successful relationship with God. They will not be able to succeed in school. They will not succeed in the workplace. They will not succeed in the church. They will not succeed in any relationship. This is a foundational thing, and it's on no one's mind hardly. Without being able to obey rightful authority, our children will never succeed in life or eternity. Listen, the degradation of obedience to rightful authority is one of the biggest reasons our culture is where it is. I remember many years ago uh, at our vacation Bible school, we would uh, bus in some kids, and some of the neighborhoods we ran in were really bad, and there was a kid who 
before the service uh, had started. We were in the area singing, and he had dropped a couple of F-bombs, and we asked him not, and, and he thought that was funny, so he dropped a couple more. And so we took him out of the room and took him back, and we had a couple of off-duty police officers there who said, you know, we need to take you home. We need your address uh, so we can take you home. And he wouldn't give him his address. They said, listen, if you don't give us your address, we're going to call the real police, and they will come and take you. Uh, the kid didn't care. We called the real police. The real police came. They tried to get him to give him their address so we could take him home. Now, granted, he should have never gotten on our bus and us not know his address. That's another issue. But uh, we didn't know his address. He'd gotten on our bus, and the real police said, listen, we are, uh, we're going to take you to the police station. If you don't give us your address, he wouldn't give them the address. They cuffed him. This kid's like 10. They cuffed him. They put, put him in the police car. They took him down to the police station. And when he was in there with a the policeman, when they uncuffed him, he charged at the police officer to hit him. We later learned that what this child had been taught by his mother and grandmother is that the police were bad and always out to get him. And by the way, unless that child turned to Christ and changed his attitude about rightful authority, he's either dead or in jail today. And that is because his parents and grandparents failed to teach him the most important thing there is. Which gets us to some questions for next week. What if I don't agree with rightful authority? What do I tell my kids? How do I handle it? How do I even teach them to obey rightful authority? Remember, if you and I fail at this, we will hurt our children all their life. You should have a little square of paper, write some kind of a question on it or something, or scribble, just fold it in half, set it up here on the pile. Uh, God bless you, you're dismissed. Just set them right up there and just pile them down. Thank you, Katie.